0: Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows, and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you. The Tim Hill Podcasts
1: Ordinary People's Extraordinary Stories.
0: Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to have a chat with Scott. So, Scott, if you can tell me when and where you were born, and if you can describe to me what it was like where you grew up, the schools you went to, and the education that you received.
1: So I, I was born on Easter Sunday, 1963, which was April 14th, 1963. Uh, that was in a uh, town in Wisconsin, a smaller town in Wisconsin uh, called Wisconsin Rapids. Uh, that's where I went to to grade school through fourth grade. I went to kindergarten, um, 1968. One of the things that, uh, that I remember vividly is I have been especially in describing what's going on today, but I remembered it all the way through school, is the weekly readers. And in one of the particular issues, I remember the the propaganda, which of course at that time I didn't realize it was propaganda, but, <laughs> uh, they had said that it was irresponsible. This was in, think about a weekly reader going to kindergarten, they said it was irresponsible to have more than two children. Uh, because of world population. And, mm. uh, you know, interestingly, that is, if you know, as I look at what I'm literally working on today, it's the same thing, um, trying to expose that agenda. Um, yeah. I had a uh, real nice uh, set of teachers through grade school. Um,
0: well, we'll come on yeah. to that. But um, what was the area like where you actually grew up? Well, was was you was you in a a big town or were you in a rural area
1: in uh so through fourth grade was uh the town we grew up in was about fifteen thousand people um we lived in town and so it was you know wasn't anything to you know kids could just roam i mean I rode my bike every day and uh walked to school um
0: just, That's a bit of a rarity, isn't it? kids walking to school for they call, all caught them big yellow buses.
1: Yeah, we didn't we didn't have any buses or anything like that, <laughs> and our, our parents didn't take us to school. You know, we we either walked or rode our bikes, and um, you know and we. We played outside. I mean, there was no such thing as as being inside other than rainy days. I mean, you know, we we you know by uh, fifth grade we moved out into the country. My my parents bought 200 acres out in the country, and then um, I had two younger brothers. And boy, I mean, that was that was the cats meow. So then we learned uh, how to hunt. And, you know, we hunted on our own property. We yeah you know, we had our own little businesses. We we dug worms and sold. Worms.
0: Well, for the fishing,
1: yeah, it was it was fun. We had horses, uh, we had cattle. Um, mm. I, I uh, as as I moved into working years, I worked uh, before I got my driver's license. I worked on a farm, uh, even though we had kind of a hobby farm. But I, mean, I worked on a dairy yeah. farm then for a couple of years before I got my license, and then. And, um you know living out in the country it was it was fantastic so then we went to then we were bussed because we lived yeah. b- before we had our own vehicles we lived you know roughly six miles from the school and so we got picked up by a bus every day starting in in fifth grade uh, it was I mean I, I, so, I it was it was a great childhood
0: so it was the same did, did was it the same school that you went to? or did you have to change schools when you moved away?
1: Yeah, we had to change schools. We moved about uh, 15 miles away, but it was a completely different school system, system, one that was very few kids lived in the town that the school was in because the town was only 700 people. And Mm. so at that time, it was the largest district uh, from the... um, geographical area just because of all the busing and so it bused kids from all over the place so we spent you know roughly 45 minutes to an hour on the bus on the morning and on the way home
0: I mean two hours a day on a bus Correct. and, and <laughs> is that when you did your homework or or we just mucking about too so much?
1: <laughs> uh, no, we really didn't do it. You, you, it was kind of goof off time on the bus, so we didn't do a lot of homework on the bus. But you know, that was a time. You know, when I think about things now, and I see our grandkids, I mean, we did have real homework. We had homework every day, and. Mm. Uh, you know, you had to be disciplined because if you didn't get your homework done, I mean nobody was there to remind you. Now they remind kids of of their homework constantly. Then you know if you didn't get your homework done in time, you 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 you, you uh you got an F. I mean, that's just the way it was. That was it was real yeah you know when uh when you when we were in school one of the things i, I remember is that you never wanted to have your parents called uh so yeah you know, in high school <laughs> I, I enjoyed i really enjoyed high school it's one of the times i would love to go back to um uh, mm. you know it was it was an awful lot of fun a lot of pranks um But you never wanted to do the pranks that were harmless so that your parents would get called. Because (laughs) back then, you know, the the teacher would, you know, with serious stuff, they'd give you a whack. And, you know, because you deserved a whack. And so if you got a whack from the teacher and the teacher called home, you're going to get another whack. Um, (laughs) Double punishment. Right. That's not allowed in law, you know. (laughs) <laughs> now if the teacher gives the kid a whack, I mean, of course the kid deserves it. But, you know, they're... Yeah, but the teacher's the in trouble in then.
0: Yeah, that's all wrong. So what was your middle school like? Is that when you, you moved and you you were busting into the middle school?
1: Yeah, middle school. Um, so we started at, in fifth grade uh, in, in I started to, you know, personally, I started to achieve, um, and, and the teachers realized that I, I had some um, intellectual gifts, so then they started giving me some advanced placements, and so I was able to skip a couple grades in, in math and English, and I, um, so that started in middle school, and I was able to take seventh grade math when I was in Fifth grade and uh, kept on ahead I started taking calculus then in, in high school I went to a college then in high school to take calculus and um, mm. yes yeah, so that was that was, that was a, a neat time to be able to be advanced like that
0: yeah so in in the middle school did you start any uh, musical instruments or a theater classes or or was that when you moved up
1: Well, there was no such thing as theater classes in the small school that we went to, but I did take. uh, um, I remember I tried the trumpet as far as a musical instrument for a while. I didn't. I didn't care for that. So that's that that is not definitely not my my uh, expertise. Um, But there was no such thing as theater in the little school that we went to.
0: All right. So, what was your favorite subject? I'll take it it.
1: mathematics was was by far my favorite
0: Mm. what was your worst subject then which one didn't you like doing
1: um i would say the worst was was english um and it'd be you know finally when i got to college is when i connected the dots i i uh i always, always got a's in english um But I could never really write. And when I got to college, I got my first C ever. And asked the the teacher, um, what's the reason I got a C? And she said, well, you you wrote an awful lot, but it's disorganized. And she taught me about introduction, body conclusion, you know, it's pretty basic, but mm. because I skipped a lot of of uh, grades in English, and maybe that's where they taught it, but I I completely missed that, so I didn't know how to write, and and mm. so that's why I didn't like English. But now, you know that that teacher connected the dots, and I, I enjoy writing today.
0: Mm. So moving up to um, to uh, was it middle school to junior high, or is that how it works where you were?
1: Yeah, so we had middle school, and then um, then eighth grade was kind of separate because we had our own building for eighth grade, and then it moved to high school, started in ninth grade. So. Um, yeah, so I'm just looking at middle school through eighth grade, and then then there was a separate separate building for the high school. So they had the the grade school, middle school is one building, and then the the eighth grade building, and then the high school is how they had it set up back when back mm. in the day.
0: So in high school, then. Uh, was, that, was that a bigger school? Did they bring kids in from a different area or was it the same kids that that came up through middle school with you?
1: It was the same kids. We had uh, roughly 80, I think we had 80, low 80s in our graduating class and it was the same kids you went to grade school with all the way through.
0: Mm. So it was a, a, a small area then? Uh, Correct. They, it
1: was, they, yeah, it was, all it was all a large area but,
0: uh, but a small amount of kids that they were dragging in
1: correct
0: mm. so did they change much of the curriculum in, in the, the high school
1: say that again did they what with the curriculum
0: did they change it did did, did, did you start doing different stuff um, playing instruments or, or choir or, or theatre studies or did you just carry on progressing through what you were already doing
1: it was, it was a continuation. I mean, they had choir and still no theater. Uh, so I was in, I may have been in choir for a year or so. I'd have to look back. Uh, it certainly didn't stand out, but there was, there was still no theater. Um, but it was just, it was a progression. I mean, it was the uh, very similar atmosphere. Um, you know, the mm. teachers, you would not have known um, what their, what their, perspective was you would have known if they're liberal or conservative. Um, There was no, they weren't promoting agendas. Um, You know, the only time I remember a specific agenda, like I said, is back in kindergarten. Otherwise there was Mm. really no agenda being promoted. It just was, You know, it seemed like you're there to to, to <laughs> get the basics out of school so that you could participate in the world. You know, a lot of a way that I would describe it, you know, compared to now is that every every man in my graduating class could have run a family when they graduated from high school. And I would mm-hmm. say today, I don't think any man could because I don't think they're men, I don't think any of them could run a family now graduating from high school.
0: Yeah. So, um, was there a particular subject that you did like in in your high school? Something that you, that you really didn't want to be in?
1: Uh, a subject or say that again? A subject, Yeah. Well, like I said, English wasn't my favorite. I mean, I would say next would be history. Although, I mean, I still enjoyed history. But you know, there's really no subjects I didn't that I disliked. It just a a um, until I learned how to write. You know, English mm-hmm. was kind of this. You know, was was more of the grammar, the grammar yeah. piece, which is you know that's fairly boring. But I mean, you needed to get that. But uh, so, but it was. Um, and at that point I also didn't really care for reading longer books. Now and, and now I enjoy reading also. So I guess it's a lot like, you know, when you get a you get a taste for things over time. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, so now I enjoy reading and and writing and, and back then I didn't enjoy either one of those.
0: Mm. So moving on then. So did you graduate with honors from high school or or did you just sort of Run of the mill, or or, or just scrape through?
1: No, that's a great question. I graduated third in my class in high school, and uh, that. Oh, actually, proper but, little
0: swot, were we?
1: You say that again.
0: I said, proper little swot.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, I, I didn't quite hear the question there.
0: I, I, you said you graduated third in your class, Correct. so I I said you're a proper little swat. Yeah. yeah. So pet.
1: well it you know, that actually was quite a motivation for me because that that bugged me because I knew I knew that I I was smarter than the two kids ahead of me, but you know, I, I had the I got dinged on a couple of grades because I was goofing off. And um <laughs> Anyway, that was it was a motivation. I had a motivation that in college that was was because graduating third and I had, in college of course it's a lot more competitive and a lot more a lot more kids, but I graduated first in my college class.
0: Mm. Anyway, I just want to take you back a little bit. You said that you worked on a farm, um, yes, not, not your own farm, but but your own farm, um, looking after cattle. What was that was that a milking herd or was that a sort of a beef herd?
1: And our own farm was a beef herd, and the farm I worked worked at it was a milking herd.
0: So you had to go in early to, to to milk, and and in the morning, and then go in in the afternoon and milk again, or.
1: Yeah, so it it was was all day, you know, so they would come and pick me up because I didn't have a driver's license yet. So they picked me up early in the morning and then dropped me off at the end of the day. So it was there were there were long days. But I mean, that was that's what you did. I mean, I was making Mm. uh, I think it was making three bucks an hour back then. And, you know, you're you're banking money because, you know, there's no place to spend it. and. It was, it was a, it was great. I mean, I learned an awful lot at that, at that job, you had to, um, it wasn't a wealthy farmer that I worked, worked at. I mean, so you, I learned how to weld and uh, drive tractor. And, um, he had a couple other farm hands and he liked my work. So he put me in charge of the couple other, uh, couple other young guys. And, it was, <laughs> it, you know, it's kind of like the blind leaving the blind, but you know, it, when he was gone, he needed somebody in charge. And so he put me yeah. in charge. And Yeah. Uh, You you ended up learning because, um, you know, the expectation was different. They weren't going to coddle you. You just kind of got—you was trial by fire, so you learned.
0: So, milking. How many uh, cows did you have to milk in the day?
1: Well, this was a fairly small farm. I would say that he probably had forty to Uh, fifty.
0: Uh, take a little while to, to, to milk. Uh, do they have milking machines or you, you had to do it all by hand? Pull squeeze, pull No, it, squeeze, by pull hand. Squeeze. it was
1: It definitely was not by <laughs> hand. But, uh, yeah, in fact, I had to, we have our own cattle now and I had to learn so. Three years ago, we had a little one born that needed some some TLC, and it's a beef cow. So I, but I, I got uh, I stayed stayed with the mom and the calf for three days and learned the mom let me milk her. It wasn't easy <laughs> to start with, and but that's when I learned how to milk was just three years ago.
0: Yeah, so that that was <laughs> learning learning <it> yourself <laughs> trial right. and error was it?
1: That's correct.
0: And so, say, so you get into a rhythm. Pull, squeeze, pull, squeeze, pull, squeeze. You've done it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting, no doubt.
0: Yeah. So let's 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 move on a bit. Let's have a look at um, when you graduated high school and you went off to university or college. What did you major in?
1: Um, I majored in accounting. So when I graduated, I had a Bachelor of Business with an emphasis in accounting. Uh, and then then I became a certified public accountant. Um, it was my first career.
0: hmm So how long was that course?
1: It was four years.
0: Did you try and squeeze it into three or did you just uh, stretch yep. it out out of four?
1: I graduated in three and a half.
0: Hmm. What was your first job when you left university then?
1: I worked for a big eight CPA firm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, so that was my first job. I had uh, job offers. I had a whole bunch of job offers upon graduation, and I chose to uh, work for one of the, uh, it was the second largest CPA firm in the world at that time.
0: Wow. So you was a tiny, tiny cog in a massive great big machine then. That's correct. <laughs>
1: yeah, so, that's right on.
0: So, so what was your daily routine on that job?
1: Um, that was, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, you're They're bringing all good back some memories here. So I, we, we lived about uh, 45 minutes away, my wife and I. Um, so I drove, you know, got up, you drove, I, because I was, it was a big city and I, I would want to beat the traffic. So generally I would leave early and then I would wait until after five o'clock till the traffic settled down to, to leave the, the office. And, you know, the routine was we were assigned, I was in the tax department, so we were assigned work through a chain of command. And so ultimately, um, that chain of command, the, the supervisor who would assign you the work, you'd get the work done, they would review the work, you'd fix your mistakes, and you basically kept learning and you'd move up the ladder as you would be fixing your mistakes and they saw that you were catching on. Ah. So
0: you said you were married. When did you get married?
1: We got married November fifteenth of nineteen eighty six.
0: Boy, you were still in college
1: no we graduated we both graduated in uh, may of 1985 from college and then Um. uh, we lived together before we got married and um, then got married november 15th of 86
0: right with you now (laughs) so how long did you last in in the tax department then
1: well, I was only there for um, a little bit less than two years because um, one, of the, one of the senior managers in, at that company called me. So my wife and I got married, like I said, on November 15th. Um, he called me a couple of days before we got married. He had just left, and he was, went to work for a company called IDS, and uh, they, they're a financial planning company, but they were opening up tax offices around the country. And he called me and said, Scott, I'd like you to consider uh, running a tax office. He said, I've become a, a, a manager of the the entire uh, country, tax departments, and I'd like to have you um, consider running a tax office. And uh, so I asked him some questions, and and um, believe it or not, it was the office in Honolulu, Hawaii. And so I said, "Well, if you're serious," I said, "I'm leaving." you know after we're getting married on Saturday I said I'm leaving right after the wedding to go to Hawaii and so if you're serious I'd like to interview for the job while we're there on our honeymoon and he was serious and that's what happened I interviewed for the job and they offered it to me and so then we moved to Hawaii
0: so did you come back off your honeymoon or did you just stay there
1: We came back, and then I wrapped up things with the job that I had, and I moved over right around January 1st to get ready for the tax season. So
0: so. what was Hawaii
1: like? Well, as a newly married couple, I mean, it was was a blast, but... um, you know, after you get settled in and everything, you realize, I mean, we were a minority there, and uh, which it was fine. I mean, it was a great place to learn how to be a minority. Uh, but my wife really didn't, you know, it's small, you know, and, and to have people come and visit you. You know, it's it isn't the place that you know. It's an exciting place to be for a short period of time, but it didn't fit with with what she wanted for sure. And of course, you know, it it wouldn't have fit long term for me either. I would have probably if if it wasn't for her, I probably would have left. Maybe stayed another year, um, but I mean, it just isn't. You know, I, I grew up in the Midwest, and I like the seasons, and so. Um, we had, my son was born in Hawaii, though. I mean, so we had our first child while, while we were living there.
0: So you didn't take up surfing or anything like that while you were there? Then? No. That wasn't no. the hook.
1: <laughs> I, unfortunately, that was the start of my working career. And a, uh, I've had a bad habit most of my life of working too hard. And so I, I spent an awful, awful lot of time working.
0: Mm. That's never good in a young marriage. So he's a bit of a workaholic. So how long did you actually stay in Hawaii for? Long enough to have a child, obviously.
1: Yeah, so we moved. uh, Well, we actually moved separate because my wife was teaching school. So I think I moved in January and then she moved a couple months later of 88 no 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 86 of 86 and then we moved back to Wisconsin in um, let's say Travis was. I think it was in November of 88 so we were there for just under two years
0: Mm. so did you move back with the same company uh, uh, to a different office or or did you mug that off and, and get a new job
1: Nope. We started at that point. I thought I don't know that I want to do CPA work anymore. So um, we moved to a lot bigger area. When we moved back to Wisconsin, we moved to um, geographically. It's you know was an area that's that's really growing and a lot more people. So we just thought you know we don't know exactly what we're going to do. But I wanted to do something different. So I sold cars. So I got a car job as a car salesperson, and I learned how to. I learned how to sell during that time. I had uh, some real good trainers, and it was a, it was a good piece of, mm. um, it was a good time of life to learn. Ultimately, I got back into the CPA business, uh, started my own tax uh, firm and then accounting, and then that grew uh, after I left the car business and um, mm. all the way through 19... Ninety four. Then i I, uh, I sold out of the CPA firm. And at that point, we were doing a million dollars of revenue, and I had twenty three employees. I mean, it just grew like crazy. So
0: let's, let's just wind back slightly. The, the the car business was it a used car uh, game or is it new cars that you were selling it was, or a mix of both?
1: It was a mix of both.
0: So you you were for one of the big. Um, the big companies like Ford or GMC or something like that, was it?
1: It was actually a, um, a Mazda-Nissan dealership. So they they oh. had the, the local Important franchise Japanese. for Mazda-Nissan, yeah. Mm.
0: So how long did you, did you do that for?
1: Um, I did that for about two years. It seemed like everything was about two years back about Two years. <laughs>
0: So how, how did the, um, the Japanese cars go down in America? Um, because they tend to be an awful lot smaller than, than the big old gas guzzlers that, that Fords and GMC and, and Dodge and all that were, were pushing out and Cadillacs.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, the, we also had, I forget, we all, there was also Audi and VW there. Um I mean, it, there was a steady stream of of people buying them. So I really didn't – I didn't have a perspective of the market. Mm. You know, I just – that's that's who hired me. And so that's what – you know, they trained me how to do it, and they did a great job.
0: Yeah. Wicked. Right, so let's look at um, setting up your own business. Yes. So how did you fund it to start with? Yeah, what, what, was the, the, what was the catalyst there? Eh? I mean, you'd obviously had enough of of flogging cars. Correct. And and then you you didn't want to go and work for somebody else, so you decided to work for yourself, I guess.
1: Right. So when I decided to work for myself and and then I had – I started doing tax work, and you know that that fed the family. And then one one tax season, you know, I just started to get a lot of clients. So I took them all on, and I, um, you know, so we were we were just had one child then, and all of a sudden, a you know, in a month, I made thirty thousand dollars. And so then you start piecing you start piecing that together, and I thought, my gosh, this is I can't hardly believe you could make that amount of money in that short a time. Um, of course, I worked like crazy. But mm. then what that that ended up leading to wanting to have uh, an entire CPE firm where I had staff, where I wasn't doing everything myself. And um, so then I wrote a business plan to do that. And uh, no bank would take it on. Um, because we didn't have any, you know, we really didn't have any capital. I mean, all we had was my ability to get clients. And so mm. banks want to have collateral. and We didn't have any collateral. Um, so I put to, to be able to fund that. I don't remember the exact amount, but it was in the neighborhood of, uh, where, where you needed money. You needed money for the computer system. Um, which was fairly expensive back then. Computers are a lot yeah. now. Uh, then you had negative cash flow because you needed a team. You know, so you know, you got payroll going out without having cash, you know, the cash coming in because you're billing the clients. And so it was in the neighborhood of about hundred and twenty thousand dollars that I needed. And um, so instead of, yeah, you know, just at that point, I learned that, well, just because a bank doesn't want you or doesn't want to lend you the money doesn't mean that it's not a viable entity. So I put, I had enough credit cards um, that I'd accumulate over the years. I put the whole 120,000 on credit cards and, and let it rip and uh, never look back. <laughs>
0: that's, that's, that's quite a risk, isn't it?
1: Well, it, but I, guess,
0: it, it really, I guess if you uh, knew what you're doing.
1: It's not a risk. If you believe in yourself, it's not a risk at all. And so yeah. that's what I had to decide. I thought, well, these banks are all rejecting me because collateral. But this is really not about that. I'm, I'm trying to pitch myself. So do right. I believe in myself or not? So the bank would lend me money at, you know, back then, the bank interest rate may have been, uh, let's say, 7%, and the credit card interest rate is 16%. So... You know, it's an extra. You know, it's yeah, an so extra nine percent. You know, do I believe in myself or not? And you know, so it's not that. You know, so on on a hundred thousand dollars, nine percent is only nine thousand dollars a year. So I mean, yeah. if I am I not going to believe in myself for nine thousand dollars, it didn't make any sense. So that's why I went ahead with it. And
0: I guess it paid off. Well, so it, what? What was the you know, negative I've learned, effect?
1: I've learned how to be able to be financially successful through that, but you know, financially successful is really not important. Mm.
0: So what, what was the negative effect of believing in yourself, going forwards, and building a business, starting to employ people? What about your personal life? How did it affect that? Well, it
1: affected it a lot. I mean, it it, it it impacted it even to today because, you know, I, I invested everything in in work and, and learning how to lead other people. But, you know, so then I assumed that my wife could just handle, handle the family. Um, and so I never gave her the leadership attention that she needed as my wife. You know just we had lots of fun times but i didn't give her the attention and you know so now we've been married 30 some years and you know it's it's um yeah i wish i would have seen none what i what i see now i mean i i would have done you know if i had a chance to do it over of course i would have done it different mm. it's, it's um i didn't understand the priority back then
0: So have you got a priority right now?
1: Say that again, Tim.
0: Do you have the priority right now?
1: Well, uh, that's a great question. I do relative to work, but what's going on today, so I mean, I, I have a, still own a business today, but my guys are doing most of the work. I'm only involved uh, about a day a week. Uh, so that's a positive. But since my daughter Grace died, um, I've been working on on um, her case and getting the word out regarding her situation. Um, about, you know, about ninety hours a week. So mm. it's, it's still having that same impact, and and um, because I didn't I didn't take the time to learn how to lead my wife back then. I mean, we're having the same it's the same struggles, but on top of that, we've lost we lost my son to suicide in two thousand eighteen, and now... My daughter to the hospital
0: protocols in 2021. So I mean, it's it's a it's a struggle. It's a struggle. I mean, it's, it's 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 never easy losing a family member, but it's even harder to lose a, a child. Um, I and mean, know I, fortunately, I've not been down that road, um, I, I've I've lost a wife and I've lost a best mate, and and I've lost lots of friends along the way, but. Um, uh, and, and my father, and one thing and another. But um, yeah, I can't imagine what it's like to lose one child, let alone two. So, how are you coping at the moment with that? What What are you? What's your your process for dealing with that?
1: For the process for daily living, is that
0: what you said, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I... They- I, I wouldn't say that I have a process. Uh, I would say that I have beliefs that that I uh, I know are true, and those beliefs will you know get me through. But I mean, I still have I have good days and bad days. You know, I I uh, Grace was my, Grace was our daughter who we lost in two thousand October of two thousand twenty one. She was my best buddy. Grace had Down syndrome, and mm. you know, I I miss her. Uh, Yeah. You know, but I, you know, I, I, miss her more than anybody I've ever missed. But you know, that being said, yeah, you know, I, I know that I, I, I have faith. I have faith in God. I have faith in in Jesus, and I know that the evil that took Grace out, God is using for good, and I'm part of that plan right now. So I mean, that's that's what I work mm-hmm. on every day yeah um, but that doesn't that doesn't mean I have some fantastic way of you know there is no way to to do it as my my best friend said after I, after we lost our son to suicide he said scott you're gonna have to walk through this so that's all you can do you take you you know every day you get up and you walk you just keep going you can't. Uh, you can't sit in a ball. I mean, I've had a few days where I sit and sit in a ball. Um, yeah. But you got to keep walking. And uh, if you believe in God, you know, he's, he's there. Um yeah, you, know, you have a choice. You either are going to rely on him or have a pity party. And I've had plenty of pity parties, but that, you know, you get done with the pity party, you certainly don't feel good for having gone through it. You feel like an idiot because you did it. Didn't call on God when He was there the whole time. Yeah.
0: So, how's your relationship with your wife at the moment? Uh, Are you going? Are you working through it together?
1: Um, It it depends on the day. You know, some days, like uh, yesterday was Sunday. I mean, we had it was really nice. We had a nice Sunday, and we were able to. talk about some things and work through some things. Um, a lot of times it's not like that. Uh, and you know, when you asked earlier, what, you know, what, what was the consequence of working so hard? Um, it's that I, yeah, you know, I don't have the relationship with her that, that I want. I mean, we're married, but that doesn't mean you have a, a strong relationship. Yeah. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to get that time back, but, you know, God has a reason for everything. And so he's, he is definitely training, training me, you know, Grace, our daughter had a gift on loving the unlovable. And, you know, when, when my wife gets the way that she is sometimes, and I get the way that I am, I mean, it's an exercise in loving the unlovable and, and uh, the answer is always the same, which is, um, If you're walking with God, you don't sin. If you try to do it by yourself, you sin every time. And uh, I have um, certainly had a bad attitude um, toward her more often than a good attitude. And, you know, that's that's my fault, not God's.
0: Hmm. So how do you see yourself going forwards from here? What's the future hold for you?
1: Well, you know, the short-term future is is where we are invested as a family um, on Grace's story. You know, so that's the short-term future. Where that goes, I'm not sure. God has opened up so many doors; I can't hardly believe it. Um, many, many miracles through this process of sharing Grace's story. So I don't know what doors he's going to keep opening. And so based on those doors opening, which is strange for me to say, because I'm a businessman, I like planning things out, but I really can't tell you what tomorrow is going to bring. Um, So that's just a fact. So I don't know, I don't know where that ends. I, uh, I see we have two grandkids. Um, I see the relationship with my wife getting better. Um, the relationship with with my my daughter has the two grandkids. The relationship with her family is is improving over um, losing grace because we're you know we're just we're we're getting together more often and talking more often and it's it's been nice. Um, I see me learning. You know, I, I I'm a stubborn. I'm a stubborn man, and you know, so God has keeps hitting me over a pl- with over the head with a club, and you know, I'm I'm slowly <laughs> getting it. So I see, you know, I see that I will I will get this, and uh, yeah, and, you know, I have a relationship with my my wife again, the one that that I wish I would have had for a long time.
0: Mm. Might always be a good idea to go away and have a holiday together, get away from the. Dark everything around you that you know and uh, maybe look at start afresh have a new honeymoon
1: right that's uh, that sounds like a
0: great plan I mean yeah take her away pamper her and then uh, and then come back afresh um, and try that there's always there's always hope when you can talk and uh, And, and if you can go away from the environment that you you're, you're so used to and go somewhere totally different uh, on totally neutral then then you can work your way um, through anything I think and, yeah. and I think that's a a real key life skill to be able to just sit down away from everything and just be yourselves and open up. Right. I like that advice, Tim. Thank you for that. You're most welcome. So, Scott, um, you've had a you've had a rough ride of it, and uh, and I just wish you every every success for the future, and that um, you're able to to move on and and, and build that relationship uh, with your wife, and, and maintain that relationship with your grandkids. Um, because they bring an awful lot of joy. Oh, grandkids again. are great.
1: They're, they're a blast.
0: Top tip with grandkids: spoil them rotten, and then hand them back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if if you really want to be mischievous, give. Give them some chocolate and sweets before you enter <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah well, I, I, uh, I take them a few times a year. Just, just me and them, and we have a little cabins. So I took them twice already this year, uh, fishing, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Mm.
0: So involve your wife in that as well. Sure, she'll enjoy it. Well, Scott, thank you so much for sharing your story. How could people get in touch with you if they want to, to reach out?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. We did uh, since Grace died, we set up um, uh, a website that has got a great tribute to her. It also shares her story. Um, and uh, as a whole bunch of research, you know, and uh, resources on it, it's the website is our amazing and dot uh, And so that's uh, that's the best way. So then if people want to get a hold of me personally, there's a, a way that you can you can do that right on the website. There's a contact us area of the website. And that's how people can get a hold of me personally if they chose to do that.
0: Brilliant. Well, thank you so much scott for sharing your story
1: you're welcome it's not much of a not much of a story but um oh it's your story yeah the most you know the, the most important piece of the story is um is not anything other than not anything that i've done uh it's you know, I spent my life, unfortunately, chasing human human success, and you know, once uh, you know, God got a hold of me, you know, roughly 25 years ago. Um, but it wasn't until Grace's funeral. So uh, after Grace died, I went into the hospital, and you know, about th- it was three days after she died, and I just about died the first night. Um, we both went into the hospital with COVID. Anyway, um, it, it took that to finally break me. So uh, four years ago, I was diagnosed with heart disease. Three years ago, my son died. Uh, last year, my daughter died, and then I just about died. And it was the first time in my life that even though I knew God for 25 years, it was the first time that I was broken. And in order to be used, right now is the first time in my life I can say that I, I know God is using me. And he had, to, he had to break me first. And I'm a self-made man. So a self-made man has a lot of pride. And yeah. until, you're, until you're broken, uh, you cannot be used. And so uh, out of uh, everything in my life, I would say that That was the most important thing. So not very many people know this, but when—so the day of Grace's funeral, God got me up at 3.30 that morning, and I spoke at Grace's funeral. Uh, I had a message to share, and it was— even though we were burying my daughter that day, it was the best day of my life, not because of burying her, it's because I finally knew what it was like to be broken. And, uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's a new life now. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I see things through a completely different lens. Mm.
0: That's important. Um, and do you say, share that on the website? How
1: to? Uh, no, I, the website is really a tribute to Grace, along with her story. It's not about our family or anything. Mm. Um, so I, I've only shared that a couple, with a couple of people. Uh, but it is, you know, as as we wrap up, I mean, I think about okay, what you know, this isn't all about doom and gloom. I mean, God has anybody that chooses to believe in him. You know, he, uh, it was roughly 15 years ago, I prayed for him to do whatever it takes to break me. And at that you know, so he will be faithful. Of course he was going to do it regardless of my prayer. If you're one of his, his job is to break you, but you either can be broken, uh, through stubbornness and take a long time or you can, you can willingly submit. And, uh, you know, it took a long time for me. Mm. And, um, so that's why I that's why I have hope. I mean, I have hope that that uh, I'll be able to have a relationship with my wife again. It isn't a hope that's based on on uh, me doing everything. It's a it's a hope that's based on the reality that uh, that God is working me through a process to to love the unlovable and. Um, and my daughter grace was part of that i mean grace had down syndrome and she had unconditional love you know just yes. just the way she was she was uh, she was fantastic she loved me even when i was a jerk and <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way she was and it's uh, it's wonderful to have had her as an example a uh, god um, you know example that god used to show me directly what what it's supposed to look like
0: fantastic well, thank you again, Scott, for sharing.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Tim. You're welcome. The Tim Hill Podcasts. Ordinary people's extraordinary stories.